Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to this special Facebook Live broadcast with myself, Baron Cross, and Joe Donahue. Yeah, we're back together far sooner than we expected. Um... Pretty much 24 hours ago, we were um, we were together at, at Ellen Road in, a, in a, a windy and cold Ellen Road after another bitter defeat in the Premier League for Leeds United. Uh, and I'm sure, as you are aware, unless you have been living under a rock, four and a half hours ago, Leeds United officially confirmed Marcelo Bielsa is no longer the head coach at Ellen Road. And just saying that is still quite hard to do. It's a very, very emotional day. And Whilst we're professionals and we've had uh, an objective perspective on this for the past few years and um, it's been an amazing thrill ride, it's hard to keep the emotion out of it. You know, he has been truly transformational in every single aspect of our jobs, of your lives and of the football club itself and its history. Um, And there are 12 games now for Leeds United to try and justify the decision and the pressure is on. Joe, initial thoughts. Obviously, it didn't really come as a shock when it did arrive. But um, what are your thoughts now that now that it's confirmed and we are, as I say, four and a half hours into a post Bielsa world? Yeah, it's it's strange. It's strange to to contemplate that you know what goes on from here, how how everybody moves forward. But as we know, when when things like this happen, you know, life does move on. But I think the 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 best sort of way of putting it is is uh, you know the, the outpouring of emotion, the outpouring of, of gratitude and, and thanks um that the various people have displayed whether that be on social media whether that be lots of fans going down to the ground um you know just that doesn't happen for for, for just your average manager you know it's everything about Bielsa was that he, it was more than he was just a, a manager he will obviously always say that he was you know an employee of the club but it was the you know the hope the belief that he instilled the the, the achievements um, and just the way that he went about it along the way, um, it really—I mean, for, for for you, for you, Baron, especially—you know—following it from from the beginning must have been, you know, just an incredible journey. And you know, to to have to have seen that, as you say, you know, it's hard to separate the emotion from it because it is it is a very sad day. Yeah, incredibly so. Um, like you say, from day one, it's just been an absolute privilege. Um, Joe Mewis, um, another of our colleagues that, that some of our viewers will be familiar with, you know, since since he came in it just it was just timed perfectly with with how we started at Leeds Live and and got going and followed the journey from day one and it, and it has just been I mean those first three years I mean there, there were virtually no dips I mean they had the, the playoff defeat of Derby County then we had the title winning season of the second year and then to go and finish third in the Premier League just absolutely incredible and just seeing the way the city has changed um, murals around the city that that's that's the most important thing for me is that there is evidence there that he will not be forgotten um, for decades to come. People will move in and out of Leeds, even people who aren't football fans, which I think is the nicest aspect. He is breaking through. He's penetrating through to the wider narrative of Leeds life. People will drive past those murals on a day-to-day basis and will at least wonder, oh, who's that guy? Or, you know, what, what was what was he famous for? Or, you know, why is he so adored? And, and they'll go in and search out that story and find it and then share it with, with their friends and family. And 
that's what's so important to me. I think it is the legacy um, has to remain intact, and I'm, and I'm sure it will in time. People will forget about this small blip that has occurred in, in the very recent past. It's been a pretty tough season as a whole, to be honest. Um, and, I mean, it, as recently as, what, three weeks ago, this would have been considered unthinkable. We, we yeah. came away from the Aston Villa game. It wasn't a perfect performance. They were 3-1 down, sorry, 3-1 down as we approached halftime. And, of course, Dan James did get that crucial second goal just before the break. But a 3-1 down, it felt like Villa were running away from it with it again. Um, so we come away from that 3-3, the exhilaration of it, the adrenaline of it, and we're thinking, even though it wasn't a win and it wasn't perfect, that's the kind of statement, performance or comeback that you need to then propel things on into the next phase of the season. And at that point, the idea of, of losing Marcelo was, was still a distant nightmare. But the, the, the last five, six games have gone past now and it's become more and more clear, hasn't it? Or yeah. at least less of a shock is probably the way to phrase it. It's still diff- difficult, and, and there is still a lot of people who would have stuck by him and said, we have to just stick with it now. You know, We are committed to this process. We have to see it through now until the end. But it has become less of a shock, hasn't it, with, with how it's gone the last few weeks? Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the statistics, and we discussed that on, on the live yesterday, didn't we, about you know the number of goals conceded, the, the consecutive defeats, and, and the manner in which it's seemed you know very listless. And... Obviously, that decision has has been taken by the board. Um, that they've obviously felt that that they they want to go a different direction than than Bielsa because um, obviously there's there's you know the, the stakes are incredibly high. There's a lot at play, um, and with 12 games left to play this season, you know you you think that you know get somebody else in and see how they can you know mold the squad and, and try and turn a corner with it because ultimately you think the last few games, as as you said, Baron, it it looked as though it was going one way and that was Leeds sort of diving headfirst into a relegation battle. And I think, you know, there's probably an element of um, frustration with, with Bielsa's sort of insistence on, on continuing with a style which had not, you know, paid dividends in, in, in many weeks. But, you know, just going back to your point about the Villa game and, and the, you know, the unthinkable, the, the, the reality of the situation we're currently in, um, you know, go a little bit further back. I mean, it must be just over a month now when Newcastle came to Ellen Road and Leeds played them off the park, essentially, you know, lost to a, to a free kick uh, from John Joe Shelby um, and Leeds were the much better team. You know, you, you looked at that and you, I mean, you thought that, that that could be the catalyst. If that if that was a win, Leeds would have pulled some, you know, it must have been eight or nine points clear of the drop at that point. And on the balance of chances, Leeds had deserved the, the three points, but obviously Newcastle got them and and from there, it's been it's been harder and harder to justify in the board's eyes clearly that the the, the approach that that Bielsa has has personified throughout and 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 I say that he's overachieved repeatedly throughout his tenure. Yeah. Um, you know, you say that there's been no blips. I mean, this is probably the first major one, and and obviously because of the the time pressure towards the end of the season, a decision which a lot of people might not necessarily agree with has been taken. But yeah, it's um. It's a difficult one to sort of reconcile with um, in the in the immediate aftermath, as you say, we're only about four and a half hours into that post-Bielsa era. Um, but I think over the coming days, I think that's when we'll begin to to really sort of understand and comprehend what what the future is going to look like now. Yeah, I think like you say, the, the, the Newcastle game does stand out. I think Marcelo has referenced that game in, in a few of his recent press conferences when he has come under increasing questioning um, with the way things are going. And I think the fact they came away from a match like that where they should have won and lost 
psychologically, that's that's very, very hard for the player to take, he said. Um, and then, of course, just the anemic element of, of the performance at Everton. I mean, that, that really was perhaps... It's far from the first defeat of the season, but the manner of it and the timing of it must have at least sharpened focus in the boardroom and they must have thought, okay, that is that's quite alarming really. There was there was next to nothing to show from that performance. Um and then we then we run into that, that run of fixtures against some of the the best uh, the best teams in the country. And and as you say, I mean conceding 20 goals in five games, I mean it literally is unprecedented um in terms of a calendar month in, in the Premier League. And they are the reasons why they, I mean, again, I, I was about to say that's why he's gone, but I mean, many of us are still looking past that and saying, you know, he should have stayed and he deserved the chance to stay. And I wonder if, if the fact that now he's gone and the, the plaster has been ripped off, that, that people are now sort of craving that nostalgia and they are craving the romanticism of the idea of keeping him because he has had such an effect on people and an emotional effect. And, and I wonder if, Perhaps his his legacy may have been tarnished if he'd stayed on. If they had kept losing these games, and especially in the games coming up where they need to win, i.e., you know, Leicester is, is still a tough game, but you know, home matches with the Villa and Norwich, they simply have to win those matches if they have got any ambitions of being remotely comfortable as we approach April and May. If they'd lost those as well, and we're looking at a seven, eight, nine winless run, I wonder if then that would have tarnished legacy and like with the booze we saw yesterday, it becomes much more vitriolic. Um, I don't know. Hindsight will tell us, but I think that, that's one school of thought at least. Yeah, I mean, what you say there about sort of the emotion and the, the connection with the, with the fan base, I think that's important. I think it's something that we should really address as well because, you know, you look at how many fans have, have shared their views about how they've, you know, they've fallen back in love with football because of him. Mm. You know, the, the risk of tarnishing that with, a, with the poor six months to, to end is, is, is rain. Um, would have been would have been hard to see. Would have been hard to see it happen. You know, like live by Bielsa, die by Bielsa. Essentially, mm-hmm. now that is sort of you know, it's 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 sad to say, but you know, it's that's kind of the mantra that that has that has happened, hasn't it? Because his his undoing has been his his. I think he referred to it himself as his blind faith in his in his principles and his ideals. Um, and I think what what people will remember him for is obviously the stuff that happened on the pitch, but for me it's just the thing that separates him the thing that makes him the i don't know the the figurehead of sort of a revival was that everything that happened off the pitch you know the you hear the stories of him you know ringing people up and you know speaking to them when when they've maybe had a rough time or they're they're ill or something like that and you know the the putting hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of his own money into building a gym for the staff at thorpe arch and um you know the the pictures that you see with him, and you know bringing sweets for for kids at, at games as they're getting off the bus. So those little personal quirks, those little personal moments that that really endeared him um, to the fan base, and tarnishing that. Personally, I think it would it wouldn't have tarnished it even if you know, the season was allowed to carry on as it has been, um, because you know the the strength and the weight of what he has achieved you know, not just on the pitch, but in people's hearts and minds is something which is going to be incredibly difficult to erase. So I don't think necessarily that would have tarnished it. It might have soured people to his, I don't know, maybe you could say pig-headedness over Mm. the style on the pitch. But I think 
from a personal aspect and and what he's what he's achieved in 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 you know uniting a city in sort of an abstract sense and how how he made people feel um i don't think that'll ever be that'll ever be tarnished it was that humane approach wasn't it he was he was a great philosopher and the way he spoke about football and life in general was was certainly a way for for all of us to kind of learn how to live life he was an incredibly fair and honest guy um just the way his approach to every single subject in a press conference, as soon as you thought you might get some cynicism out of him or some um, criticism for somebody out of him, he just he just wouldn't take the bait at all. You know, referees must love him because he's never criticised a single one of them. I mean, you can imagine yesterday's handball that Rodri did. I mean, you can imagine Bielsa saying, you know, obviously VARs had, had their reasons to believe that, that that was the correct decision and we have to trust them. Um it's a great, great loss, and um, I read a, a lovely, uh, a lovely piece. I think it was on the Square Ball that, that somebody had, uh, had penned for them about life after Bielsa. Uh, it may have been in Chile, and they are known as the widows of Bielsa because life just it just doesn't quite, or at least football life doesn't just quite hit those same levels. And I think that is going to be the thing that hits people in the coming days: is that regardless of what Bielsa's successor does, even if he's a very successful coach and, and gets some results out of the team, especially this season, are they quite going to be able to hit those high notes that Bielsa did in, in, in just his the, the poetry in his language, the way he played football, the way he spoke about football, that high-risk, high-reward approach, about it being the quality of the product, about it being entertaining. It wasn't about yeah. the result for Bielsa, was it? It was, it was no. the entertainment factor. And that's what's aw awakened something in people, in Leeds especially, after 16 years of abject misery. It, that's what people are going to miss. It's it's just the the passion of it and the shooting from the hip sort of nature of it and, and how it was swashbuckling. It was never say die. It was you know, go to Anfield and and nearly beat them, yeah. um, draw 4-3 with, with a late penalty, go to Man City and win 2-1 away from home with 10 men. Um, that's what people are going to miss. It's the, the romanticism of it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're spot on there with the romanticism and the sort of the humane approach that he had. Um, you know, it's it's rare. It's very, very rare for in the modern age, you know, especially in the sort of the, the, the hypersensitive arena of sort of Premier League football and football management that he he always just seemed so separate from that. So, yeah. so isolated from it, you know, he was, he was, I mean, what absolutely one of a kind and so objective in everything. Um, I mean, for, for us, you know, you try and maintain that objectivity for, you know, the, it's what made the glimpses of him enjoying the, the celebrations at promotion, you know, the, the hug that he did with them, um, with one of his backroom team. I can't remember who it was. It was a Pablo Quiroga yeah. um, after the, uh, after the Burnley game earlier this year, it made those, those fleeting moments so much more significant and special mm. because you saw how much it meant to him um and he experienced he experienced it as a fan but was able to 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 maintain you know the the separation that you know most fans would be would be most most football supporters would be compromised if you put them in charge of their favorite football club but Bielsa was able to 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 compartmentalize that and um I think you know, kind of, kind of going through this right now. It's it's not something that yesterday, even as those the, the the news began to break, it's not something which I considered that we'd be talking about so soon. Um, no. But it's I don't, it feels quite cathartic that you know we're we're discussing sort of the you know the highs and the lows, and it's um, yeah. I think anybody who really came into contact with him, especially on a personal level, 
um, will you know will will tell you that you know the the man had had something something different, and yeah, and that's what made the the whole journey really special. Yeah, I think like you say, because he was such a private and professional person, when you did get those snippets of emotion and those anecdotes that people have of, of meeting him in in Weatherby or, or elsewhere and. Like you say, receiving gifts from him, sort of either outside the team hotel or down at the stadium as they walked in, especially in pre-COVID times when people would just line the avenue up from from the coach into the stadium and he would offer gifts to young children. Um, it was, and and the video, I mean, you'd have seen it, the video of him coming out on the the night that promotion was confirmed when he comes out of his, of his um, property in Weatherby and there's just this small throng of people, not too many, not too few, just the right amount of people and just giving him that generous applause and just see just the absolute modesty. And sometimes we thought it was a bit of false modesty and he was almost too modest because he, he's just professional to the last and everything good that happens is because of the players and everything that bad that happens is because of him. And I'm sure the, it would be fascinating to know how the players are feeling in the coming days because I'm sure they are humans and it's it's hard to take the thrashings they have taken. And I'm sure they would they would be lying if they hadn't had the odd pang or thought of this isn't working anymore or you know, Marcelo needs to change or the club needs to make a change. I'd be amazed if none of them have even mm. had that thought, even just privately, not, not vocalised it, but just thought to themselves, this is just not working. But I wonder now that he's gone and we're into that post-Bielsa era, I wonder how they'll feel in the coming days, weeks and months and just reflect upon those three and a half years and and how he's transformed their lives not not just their yeah. their abilities footballs but their lives and their families' lives I, I see that that calvin phillips and liam cooper are two people who have referenced how Marcelo has changed their families' lives because of course he's i mean for calvin especially we can talk about he's put him on the map i mean let's be honest pre bielsa calvin was a very very average box to box championship midfielder who didn't know whether he was an attacking midfielder or a defensive midfielder and he was not really going anywhere he was going to be a very steady player for leeds if they remained in the championship but he's come in and seen something as as calvin has said today that he didn't see in himself and yeah. has made him the fulcrum of the england team and what that does to somebody's life and their family's lives we cannot quantify and same with Liam Cooper. Uh, I know playing for Scotland perhaps isn't the same honour as it is for playing for England, but still, Liam Cooper was not somebody who looked at as a as a very standard, steady Championship centre back and thinking he'll go and play for Scotland or he will captain Leeds United to a title. That's maybe the bigger thing for Liam is less playing for Scotland and more being the captain of the Leeds team that finally ended their exile. I just wonder how the players will feel in the weeks and days, and, and just think you know how much they're going to miss him. When, when it's beginning to set in, you know, the, the it's it's only real after it's sort of ha had time. To you don't know what you had until you've, until you've lost it. That's the, the same. Exactly. You don't know what you've yeah. got until it's gone. Yeah, exactly. And and it, it is a very apt sort of way of putting it because I think, you know, while while there will have been, you know, individuals who were maybe, you know, a little bit fatigued with, with the, 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 the relentlessness or, or the, the pressure or the... the 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 you know the the faith in 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 principles which perhaps weren't paying dividends as they were at a certain time you know twelve months ago, um, I think the yeah the, the culture that that has been sort of generated at the club um, it's going to be difficult to 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 replicate that it's going to be very difficult to replicate that and naturally you know the players they're human beings just like us comparisons will be made um, and moving on from from this era the you know the, the best and the only way 
to 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 do that is is to get wins on the pitch and that's mm. that's an enormous burden to bear for whoever comes in next and um and i think it's 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 a very i don't want to say poison chalice now because it's 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 not it's still a fantastic club to manage the situation is infinitely better than when Marcelo Bielsa took over the job yeah. so it's you know it's important to 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 posture it with that but um it's i think it's a, a job which you know, people will probably be taking a look at and thinking, well, I'm not actually sure I want to follow in the footsteps of the man who is referred to as God on the streets of Leeds. You know what I mean? So it's um, it's it's going to be interesting times, definitely very interesting times ahead. Um, you know, there'll be a lot of people watching this who maybe are sort of losing their faith or they feel as though they're, I don't know, they've, they've lost something today. They've lost somebody. Um, but I think, yeah, it's... Again, it's a bit of a cliched phrase, but you know, I'm very pleased, and I'm very pleased for for everyone connected with Leeds that it did happen. That mm. you know, those times were were able to have been enjoyed and and to have been cherished and 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 to have been experienced because you know, it's it's so much better that it did happen. And ultimately, the way it's the way it's finished is not the way that anybody would have would have liked it. But you know, it's 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 a blessing that it did happen. It's like following any iconic boss, isn't it? We've seen it with. I mean, Bielsa hasn't hasn't been there as long as a as a, as a Sir Alex Ferguson or as an Arsene Wenger, but any club who who does have that iconic, uh, legendary manager, it's very very hard to follow. No matter how messy the ending might have been, it's very very hard yeah. to follow them because there is that direct comparison both in the dressing room, outside the dressing room, and, and on the terraces. So whoever does come in, you know, will know the situation they're walking into and, and they will have to adapt to it. And like you say, the only way they're going to come through that is by putting wins on the board. Let's look a little bit at the, at the boardroom then and look at the people that have made this decision and why they've made it. So clearly, you know, Andrea Radrazzani ultimately, as the majority shareholder, is the man who he foots the bill. You know, he's the guy that ultimately makes the decision. There are people he speaks to, the board will have a, a democratic conversation they will all put their thoughts forward but ultimately Andrea is the guy that that pulls the trigger in other words and he will have looked at the situation and we're thinking we cannot afford for this club to get relegated and he's obviously felt the need to act looking ahead now then they've they've made the decision because clearly they believe that somebody can come in now with 12 games to go and do a better job than Marcelo what do you see as the biggest challenges in those 12 games to come now and how they go about turning this around because I mean, it is it's almost a third of the season, quite quite strange. It feels like we're already sort of hurtling towards the end of the season, but it is still virtually a third of the season to go. Mm. What are they going to find when they walk in through the door and how are they going to try and get a tune out of this team? I think it's a, I think it's a big, big task because the fixtures are coming thick and fast. Um, you know, you look at the games which are coming up, there's going to be little opportunity to get to know this, this, the, the new squad or as in the... the the new the new coach to, to get to know the squad. There's going to be an extensive tuning out process. You know, even if you bring in a coach with a similar style of play, this, the way, you know, the day-to-day at Thorpe Arch under, you know, Bielsa regime has been so specific for so long that the players are, you know, they're going to be, you know, completely accustomed to a different way of doing things. And that's going to, you know, yeah, I don't want to say play havoc, but, you know, that's going to, that's going to cause, I don't know, what, what, what would you say? You know, it's, it, it has the potential to disrupt, I think, the the routine that the players have, have got themselves into. And maybe that's a good thing. You know, as as I'm saying it, maybe it's a case of, you know, the the methods and practices that Bielsa and his staff had, you know, comes to a natural end point. And there isn't that need for, for 
for freshness and, and, and new ideas and, and, and a different way of looking at things. But I think there will be a tuning out process um, because, you know, that a different man, uh, the, the, there's no point bringing in somebody else to then play the same style of football as Bielsa when you could just have kept Bielsa anyway. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's probably the biggest task in, in the immediate term is, is, is getting a tune out, out of the players who are so accustomed to a certain way of working. And it's more than just Bielsa, isn't it? It's the ripple effect. There's going to be a lot of coaches that go with him now. Obviously, the entire analytical team yeah. will go with him. He's got a lot of, um, what's the word? Not apprentices, but sort of, um, I can't think of the phrase, but um, they would come in and they would they would basically work for him and, and look to, almost feel like protégés, really, and just sort of almost look yeah. to prove themselves and try and find a way into his into his inner circle or just to, just to learn from him. And they're there for Marcelo. They're not there to, to work for Leeds. They're there because that's where Marcelo is. So there's going to be a lot of people following him out of the door. Um, I mean, not to mention with, with his contract situation, I think it's quite a, a complex series of contracts that are interlinked, and I'm sure they will go. They will must be terminated in the same way that that hasn't been confirmed by the club yet. So you are looking at bringing a head coach in, but you're also going to need to bring some backroom team in. I'm sure the only 23 staff may be lent, may be lent on. Um, there are still still staff there that, that were there before Bielsa, and they, of course, will, will carry on, you would assume. So there is going to be a huge challenge for whoever comes in. Um, but like you say, maybe the, maybe the disruptive effect is is what they need to shake them from this malaise because, I mean, it was it was insipid yesterday the way yeah. um, Tottenham scored those two goals so so comfortably. So it's going to be tough. The, the, the board will know they've taken a risk with this. They they have to know. I mean, Andrea has described it as the hardest decision of his tenure. You know, absolutely has to be given what he's done to the football club and, and how he is. You know, he, he's effectively delivered upon Andrea's investment for him. You know, Andrea has come in with this vision, but Marcelo is the one that's delivered it. And he's the one that's put it into effect on the pitch. So it has to be a difficult decision to, to then remove that um, factor from your business and from, from your business model that's, that's built for success. Um, so it's a big ask. I mean, the reports are it's Jesse Marsh. I mean, there, there are so many reports out there that, it, that, it, that it, there has to be a large degree of truth. And the, the club have confirmed in their statement that they will aim to confirm a successor tomorrow. And given the backlash they have had, on social media at least, for the Bielsa decision, I can't imagine they would look to make a rod for their own back, another rod for their own back, by saying something's going to happen tomorrow and then it doesn't. So the assumption would be that if the successor hasn't signed, then there is at least some kind of verbal agreement that gives them the confidence to say, by the way, tomorrow we're aiming to, to announce a successor. And no moment too, too, too soon, really. I mean, I think there has to be this mourning period that we're currently in. But if they waited any later than tomorrow, then you're well into the thick of it in preparing for Leicester City and you're losing time. And clearly they've made the decision now because they realise they need to give the successor as much time as possible. Yeah, and I think I think that's that's the right thing to do because while we are definitely in, in that mourning period, as you say, you know, the the the, the relentlessness of of the Premier League calendar, the, the you know the, the expectation is is that you know you, you just you've just got to hit the ground running, you've got to continue on, you've got to carry on. There's there's not going to be a lot of time, and and ultimately today is that day. Today has been the day for for everyone everyone to say their thank yous and um to to to, to you know say their well wishes. But tomorrow is a new day, and tomorrow is a new week, and ultimately, you know, 
if you if you said that in a statement that you're aiming to to announce a new, a new a new manager, then you kind of do need to follow through with that and give the whoever comes in. Obviously, it looks like it will be Jesse Marsh the best opportunity to get three points out of Saturday's game because ultimately they they are the games, they are the fixtures that are that are going to justify whether uh, this decision to relieve him of his duties has been successful or not. Just before we come to a few comments, we'll um, we'll get some people's comments on the screen just to wrap this up. But let's talk a little bit about Jesse Marsh. And if we are going to look forward and we are going to assume that it's going to be him, given he is out of work and reading between the lines, the club have pretty much got a successor sign sewed up, I, I should say. From what we know, Joe, uh, doing the reading around him, plays in a similar way as what you would say. I think Marcelo is, is described as so unique by so many managers. It's hard to find somebody who is exactly the same, but there are at least the the tenets of a, of a high-pressing, high-energy system there that, that Jesse Marsh will draw upon and he'll, he'll look to use that skill set. But from what you've read, what, what do people at Salzburg and Leipzig say about him? I know that when we spoke yesterday, you said that at Leipzig it didn't go particularly well for him, as it, as it can be for some coaches at mm-hmm. some clubs. But what are the sort of general things we need to look out for? What are the sort of the anecdotes that have come out from people that have worked for him in the past? I mean, first and foremost, he's been a company man so far in his career, sort of under the the Red Bull umbrella. You know, he was at New York Red Bulls. He came over to Europe and and worked as an assistant first at at RB Leipzig and then went to to be head coach at Red Bull Salzburg in Austria. Um, Worked with the likes of Erling Haaland, Brendan Aronson, you know, those types of players. Um, And then got the the, the call up, if you will, um, to to go and and do the top job in the Red Bull empire, which is the the Leipzig top job. Always going to be a difficult task for him there, replacing Julian Nagelsmann, who obviously went on to, to manage Bayern Munich, you know, one of the most innovative young coaches in the game. So again, you know, the the, the expectation there will have been will have been you know quite considerable. Um, but as as a as a manager in terms of style, um, he as you say, you know, he's he's a he's a he's a proponent of a high pressing approach. You know, he will inherit a squad which is catered to what he would prefer you know we're not talking about uh, a, a Jose Mourinho or Antonio Conte type team where you know the the players are very sort of um geared towards um you know what we saw yesterday from Spurs you know keeping it t- tight keeping it compact I think we'll still see some of the some similar football um similar score lines um but with Marsh on the personal side it's 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 like chalk and cheese compared to Bielsa. I mean, he's very much more of an arm around the shoulder type of manager um, with the players. Um, he'll be very ingrained with them uh, on a day to day basis, uh, whether that be on the training ground or at the at the stadium or anything like that. You know, Bielsa obviously operated that separation that worked for him. Um, Marsh is is very different. Um, you know, there's been videos of of his of his team talks when he's at um, when he was at Salzburg in in the Champions League. And you know he's he's quite vocal. He's quite um, quite energetic in, yeah. in in what he's been discussing with his players. So he's, he's somebody who's got a lot of heart. Um, ultimately, heart won't win you football matches, but no. it's 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 a good starting point uh, if if he is to be the man who, who who comes in. Let's go to some comments then before we wrap up. Billy Hornby, afternoon lads. I really don't envy the next manager uh, coming into the club. A lot of pressure from the club and the fans. Marcelo should have been given the opportunity till the end of the season. I mean that. That sort of aptly sums up the way a lot of the fan base feels, at least on social media. I wouldn't for a minute say that social media is always an accurate barometer of the worldwide fan base, but that does tick a lot of boxes, doesn't it, from what we're seeing online, Joe? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think a lot of people probably think that Bielsa's had enough credit in the bank to see out the season. You know, Bielsa, uh, Leeds wouldn't be in the position they are in the Premier League, i.e. in the Premier League full stop, without Bielsa. Um, so, you know, the, the greatest challenge of, his, of his, his, his tenure at Leeds sort of being taken away from him, as in keeping Leeds in, in the division when times have got tough because of injuries and COVID and everything. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people probably would have... Um, would have would have preferred for him to to have stuck around. Um, I mean, there, I mean that Russ's comment there just shows the, the 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 extent of the impact that he's had on on the fan base because I mean it's a, it's an outpouring. Um, but, you know, it's it's a it's a personal message. Thanks for everything you've done for the club, Marcelo. Leeds fans love you more than you will know. You'll always be welcome back to our great club. You brought us back to the Premier League where many other managers failed to do so. You're a Leeds legend, Marcelo. Gracias, El Loco. I mean that. That really does sum it up quite nicely with with the way people are, are feeling about um, about Marcelo's exit, and I think it's only going to grow more and more in the coming days and weeks. Uh, Steve Mayer, a lot of emotion around at the min, not gone down well. Thinks it's more the fact that the way the board have handled it and the way Bielsa has been treated, but unfortunately onwards and upwards, twelve games saved by PL status. I mean, there is a bit of talk about the way it's sort of been handled and the way the announcement came. I think. The club, of course, have put the announcement out at 11am on Sunday the 27th. Um, reports, of course, from the Telegraph a week or two ago, which were, were far less conclusive. They were just saying who the candidates would be. And then, as we say, the Athletic ran something yesterday at full time. And some people are a little bit frustrated with that. But I think ultimately, this is, this is just how the industry works. People will look to break stories when they can. Um, and whilst it's not nice, I think Marcelo did deserve you know, one of the classiest send-offs we've seen in football management. Ultimately, that that get, if news gets out there and the club aren't in control of that news, um, I think people are sort of pointing the finger saying the club have briefed against Bielsa or the, the club have been briefing this before it's happened. I think you're joining the dots there that, that, that might not exist. The, this news comes from various many sources. It doesn't necessarily have to have come from the club directly. People do talk in the industry on the other side of the fence. And news just just get out. It's just the way it happens. That's why you see so many stories broken before clubs announce it. Still, I mean, it's, it's just the way journalism works, and it's how journalists will keep themselves in a job. Really, that's the currency journalists sort of deal in. So, I think that's that's probably the way. I don't know it doesn't feel particularly nice, and I think everybody would love the nice, clean announcement with with nothing before it. But you're not going to be able to keep a lid on on news like that when people are talking about it, and it's such a big name at such a big club. Tom Walton, the pace the new guy is coming in makes me think he was gone in the summer anyway. Hopefully we get a new manager's bounce in the upcoming games. I mean, there's certainly that theory there, Joe, isn't there? That in the summer, you know, his contract was up anyway. I mean, this is the, the double-edged sword to his 12-month contracts. A, it gives him the flexibility to decide his own future, but B, it also gives the club a bit of flexibility to say, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. So I think with yeah. the way the season was going, even if they had stayed up, did feel, unless there had been some miraculous finish to the season like last season, it did feel like it probably would have been a natural parting of the ways of summer, didn't it? Yeah, it, it seemed as though it would be sort of the natural end point. And I mean, we know that this is the longest or this was the longest that Bielsa has spent at any club um, in one go. And, you know, we think of the fact he's 66 years old as well. You know, he's many, many, many miles from home, obviously in Argentina. Um it, it did feel as though the, the, the prospect of Bielsa leaving at the end of the second season in the Premier League was, uh, you know, a clean break, um, a, a natural end point, which is probably why it, the decision to, to to relieve him of his duties now probably rankles just a little bit because it's it's just just in front of the finish line, it's just before, mm. um, and that's 
that, that that's something which I, I imagine is not sitting right with too many people. Adam Trudgeon, best football for years, 20 years of rubbish, then Bielsa turns up so good. Would have given him to the end of the season, gutted. But the money is in the Prem, so if the owners think he, he, can, he can't uh, change change it, then he has to go, unfortunately. I mean, that's the other side of the coin. I mean, some people are looking at it and thinking the club simply have to stay in the Premier League. And some people can at least understand why Radrazani and the board have made the decision. You, you can understand the logic. It's not like Bielsa has gone on a, an 11-match unbeaten streak and they've just ousted him. You know, the, the product on the pitch really has deteriorated and they've clearly seen enough, haven't they? I mean... It's a combination of performances. It wasn't just Spurs. You know, you are looking at the the manner of the Liverpool defeat, which Liverpool or not was was quite concerning, as you and I reflected upon in the car park after the match. Manchester United again losing four two for the thrill of those twenty four seconds. I mean, that really was up there with some of the best moments in Bielsa's tenure when Rafinha knocks that that equaliser and just a completely unexpected turn of events. But they've still then lost the game four two. Um, and as we say, obviously, the Everton game has, has been discussed ad nauseum now. So you, you can at least understand the logic behind the decision. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, if you're looking at it from a purely business side of things and you're, you're putting all sentiment aside, it's a decision which a lot of people would have made. But it's because Bielsa is so intertwined with Leeds and Leeds is so intertwined with Bielsa by this point that it makes it such a, a contentious issue. Um, but you know, I, I agree with, I think it was Adam's comment that, you know, this ultimately the book stop. If the book doesn't stop with, with Bielsa, then where does it stop? Yeah. And you, you're looking at, at Radritani then and you're thinking, well, if this, if, if relegation jeopardizes the potential to, to sell the club, then, you know, and, and to sort of to, to develop Ellen Road and, and all these long-term ambitions, then that, that's that. They are decisions that will have been will have been contemplated in in the boardroom. Ultimately, like you say, Joe, when the book stops with him, if he hadn't removed Bielsa and they'd gone down, there would have been people going to him in the summer and saying, yeah. "Why did you not remove Bielsa? You know, you exactly. you have the power to do that. That's your job. You run the football club. You decide what happens with the head coach. And if they had gone down with him without a whiff of um, rumor about Bielsa being gone, they'd have gone to him and said. Why didn't you sack him after the Liverpool game? Why didn't you sack him after the Tottenham game? We all yeah. could see what was happening. Why didn't you act? And I think that's the other side of the coin in this, isn't it? Is that right now it's really painful and it's really hard to take. But if they had left him in there and they'd gone down, as romantic as that would have been and as, as sincere as that would have been in sticking by their man, a lot of fans would have gone to Andrea and said, you're the owner of the football club. You have to, you are, you have to make these decisions. We can't the make them. We're decisions. the fans. Exactly, Why didn't yeah. you get rid of him? So, I mean, that, that is the other side of the corner. And that is clearly the way Andrea is thinking. He's looking at it thinking, if I don't act, we are going down. And then I'm going to have a lot more questions and a lot more expensive questions to yes. answer in the summer. Because inevitably, as we all know, that squad would get hacked to bits in the transfer market if they went down. I mean, they'd be, you'd pretty much be left with the championship players that, that brought them up, really. Uh, minus Calvin Phillips, minus Pascal Stroik. Um, maybe even minus Patrick Bamford. So, Andre's taking the decision. He's, you know, he, he's in the position he is in in life because he takes high risk decisions that involve large sums of money and large corporations. So he's taken the decision, and and none of us will know if it was the right decision um, until mid to late May. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll leave it with this comment I've just found from from Angela McPartland. Words can't express how upset I am. Legend is bandied about so much, but he truly has stolen our hearts and minds. And, and Joe, that is an apt way to finish 
Um, we, we saw the the comment in the press release. They are looking to have some kind of uh, lasting. Um, what was the word they used? A monument, permanent, a memorial, permanent, permanent, permanent tribute. Okay, permanent and that tribute would was that would suggest said. there was going to be. Without using, yeah. without using the S word, you would think it's got to be a statue of some description or some kind some of commemoration. Physical... Yeah, yeah. I think he needs he needs more than a plaque, really, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Considering the achievement and the the you know, the adversities that he's faced, um, it's it's you know it's the least that, that he deserves is some sort of permanent tribute to to the work that he's done and the. I don't know the the feeling that he brought back to to a city that was I said it in a piece um, yesterday evening. You know this was a this was a deeply disaffected fan base, and it it has been for the most part over the past three and a half years completely united behind one man, um, and that is incredibly incredibly unique, um, and that's you know it's something which you can't you can't fabricate you can't engineer or manufacture. That's just something which is is generated through the the person and the the, the professional that that Marcelo Bielsa is. Thank you for joining us, folks. Um, Forty-minute video on uh, on Bielsa Day, um, the end of an era um, in more ways than one. Very, very emotional day for a lot of people. Um, hopefully, this has helped in some way with a bit of catharsis. Obviously, getting your comments out there, and, and hopefully, a few of you are having discussions amongst yourselves. Um, so, as I say, it's Sunday today. We are expecting, or at least the club has has indicated, there will be more news tomorrow with with a successor. So, we will obviously be across that on Leeds Hyphen Live at Code UK. We've already written plenty of stuff today. So from the announcement today, what, what Andrea Radrazani has said, what Victor Orta has said, uh, the talk around a successor. As Joe says, the, the, the permanent tribute to him, uh, presumably at Ellen Road, that's all on the website. And we'll have, we'll have a lot more comment going out there this evening and into tomorrow, reflecting upon this great man's time at Ellen Road before we then do, as is the case in football, look ahead and you move forward into what will be a new area with, with whoever they look to appoint uh, tomorrow. And then we're into we're into Leicester City and looking at exactly how the club moves forward and looks to, to turn their fortunes around in the final 12 games of the season. So thanks for your time, Joe. No, thank you for for chatting with me, Baron. It's been it's, it's been cathartic for me at least. I hope it's been the same for for you and, and a few of the guys who've been who've been listening. Thank you, folks. We will of course be live again uh, when we get some more major news. I presume tomorrow. So we'll see you around then.